Good morning and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm saying good morning because for me it's morning. It's nine o'clock and you can hear two guys in orange jumpsuits. They're not prisoners. <laughs> they are using these big leaf blowers to clean up the pavement. It's really as if the trees in my neighborhood have all decided at once to shed their remaining leaves. For about a week and a half, all the trees were showing these beautiful golden colors. And then it was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> Let's get ready for winter. And I'm wading literally through a river of leaves <laughs> in order to, to cross the, the road here. Um, it's good to talk again. I've got important things to share with you. Um, as usual, this will be free flow. In case you're new to the show, don't expect a very well-organized, uh, well-prepared talk of me. Uh, but I usually share what's going on in my life, what's on my mind. And in the end, there is always hopefully something that, uh, can, that uh, constitutes the of the lead theme of, uh, of the episodes. Usually when I sit down and uh, post this and I have to think about the title and I think back of the things that I talked about during the walk, that's usually when, when I understand what actually I was trying to share. So today, but today uh, I already know something that I wanted to share with you and it has to do with my ongoing process of getting rid of the things that prevent me from going to the essential elements of my vocation and of my life. And today I would like to uh, start with something that happened. Um, when was it? Was it on Saturday or on Sunday? I had a bit of extra time and I decided to clean up um, the or part of the 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 closet that I have is a small room next to the, or it's not even a room, it's it's basically, I don't know, two square meters, three square meters um, next to the toilet. And that's the only room, the only storage space that I have. Um, my, the rectory where I live, my apartment doesn't have an attic um, and it does have a basement, but that's usually for parish stuff and there's the, I would, <laughs> there's no, really no reason for me to store anything there. Um, so it means I have very limited storage, storage space, which is a, a kind of a blessing because it prevents me from, from hoarding too much because I just simply don't have space. And yet, despite the fact that I only have such limited storage space, um, I'm still surprised every week when I clean up and try to declutter a little bit more um, how, how much I actually do have and how much I have been hoarding and gathering and so I decided to clean out a, 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 another big box of that I knew contained mostly paperwork. And this is a box that I had uh, filled with ar smaller archive, archive boxes, you know, these document um, boxes. And inside those boxes were folders where I filed away a lot of paperwork. But I couldn't remember really what was in it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that I haven't opened those boxes for at least five years, probably even more years. So um, I've learned over time in, in this process of simplification and uh, uh, decluttering that if I haven't used, if I haven't looked at something, I haven't used something for more than a couple of years, then it's probably superfluous in my life. It's not contributing to, uh, to what my life should be about. Uh, otherwise, I would have, uh, I would have, you know, remembered what was in those boxes, and so uh, I, um, I, the the bigger box contained about four or five brown, smaller archive boxes, and I opened the first, and I immediately saw what was in it and remembered putting it in there, and those were all drawings, drawings that I made as a child that I made in primary school and in uh, secondary and high school. I loved drawing as a kid. 
Uh, I, it was probably one of my favorite pastimes. Uh, of course, as, as a smaller child, at first, it's just, you know, the usual stuff that kids draw. But then, I think around the age of 10 or 11, I started to be fascinated by the world of comics, comic books. And, uh, of course, we have a very different comic book tradition in, in Europe than, than exists in, in the United States. Um, and so a lot of my, the comics that I drew, so I started to, to, <laughs> to not only read comics, and lots of them, but I also started drawing them. And the first ones were obviously inspired by the kind of European comics, you know, Tintin, that kind of stuff that, uh, that I was reading at the time. Um, and then I, there were also some drawings that, that, that showed the exact moment where I, where I discovered American comics. I had my first Superman comic book, and uh, I started to draw Superman comics. And then some of the comics were based on movies that I saw. Uh, there was a, a small comic. I think I must have made it when I was eight. It was scribbled on a, on a brown piece of paper. It was almost uh, decomposing already because a lot of the paper um, that we use and that we draw, drew on, uh, and I remember this, was, was kind of this uh, reused paper. And uh, what we didn't know at the time, or we do know now, is that the composition, the technique to make that, that kind of secondhand paper, as you will, as you will uh, wasn't as, as advanced as it is now. And so a lot of the, that paper contained some kind of chemicals that um, made it decompose or make it decompose much faster than, let's say, the regular white paper that you're used to. And so a lot of the comics that I found in that box we're starting to fall apart, literally. And uh, th there was this one comic that I made. It's not even a comic. It's like just a few images. But it was based on a Disney movie that I was super impressed by. <laughs> we, we went to see it in The Hague um, in, a, in, in the movie theater that, we, that I also saw Star Wars in. And um, the first Star Wars movie, that is. It was a return to the to which mountain, or return from which mountain, or the, the flight from which mountain, something like that. It was about, basically about two kids from another planet, looked just like regular kids, but they had uh, special powers, so they could uh, lift objects with their minds, etc. It's a very low-budget science fiction movie for kids, um, but well told, and I, I remember just getting home. This was kind of like what ha Harry Potter is nowadays for kids. Uh, it was just this idea that as a child you could be special, you too could could do special things. If only the world would know about your special powers, and uh, <laughs> that really appealed to me as a kind of nerdy kid in school, was a bit shy, and certainly not uh, a hero when it came to sports and everything. I was kind of more the intellectual kid, um, and so I would do very well in, in school and very bad at sports. And so this, this, this movie inspired me. They're like, I want to tell stories about kids with special powers. And uh, <laughs> it's fun. So I was, I was kind of going through those comics. And, uh, and I also immediately realized, this is why I haven't throw, thrown this away. I, this, is, this is a testimony. This is, this, these are uh, um, like remainders of, of my childhood. Uh, they symbolize my growth, and I can tell by going through these comics uh, how much I was changing and the influences on my life. And at the same time, I felt this... I was aware of the fact that I was holding on to that um, for illogical reasons. In a way, that it was fun to go back. And uh, in, in time, uh, by, by looking at that stuff, at the same time, what was I going to do? Going to put, put it back in a box, put that one back in storage, and then I wouldn't look at it for another 15 years. What's the point? And um, this was especially true when I saw the, when I, when I found the, the, uh, the second box, when I opened the second box, and the second box was filled with uh, comics and, and doodles that I made during high school. And as much as I have very positive memories of, of primary school, and I love my time there, my memories of, of high school are much more conflicted. 
uh, a much more mixed. I, I did enjoy certain aspects of it, um, and I've been... Uh, I, I learned a lot in high school. I mean, the, the, I love the languages, and I had some very good teachers. But I also had uh, quite a few negative experiences. It was this bigger school, um, and me being kind of more of an introverted kid, just being constantly in this kind of compos- uh, competition with other kids. And uh, I don't know. There was... It's also the, 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 these are the years that you're trying to figure out who you are and you want to fit in and then you discover that you can't really fit in because you're different from a lot of the kids and you have different in- interests. And Not to mention that I was an altar boy and for me, the, you know, going to church was something and a lot of other kids were completely, you know, agnostic and, and, and a lot of their parents uh, didn't go to church like mine. And, and so you always felt a bit on the side, a bit, I don't know, a bit like an alien. <laughs> and so, and, and that is not fun. That is not a good place to be in it. There wasn't much to, um, to base, you know, my self-confidence on. It's much later that I kind of found out, figured out who I am and what, what my life was about and what I was supposed to do. But back then, I just remember a lot of confusion, a lot of uncertainty. And uh, not to mention, I grew up in the 80s. And I don't know, there's something about the 80s that I really did not like. Um, it was a very prosperous time in the Netherlands at the time, economically. Um, and it, but it was also very superficial. It was all, I don't know. Like the, 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 the examples that I saw of, of what could be my, my future were not appealing at all. It was something, I don't know, something horizontal and empty about it and I, I don't know perhaps I'm just projecting like where I am right now back on on the on on, the, on those years uh, but I wouldn't go back uh, for anything in the world it, it's really not it's a time that I kind of passed through but I don't care for it that much I know of course it, it has had its value and it's, it's, it was important all that stuff but I wouldn't do it again I would never, I never wanted to do it again. It was an uncomfortable time. <laughs> I was much happier when I started seminary and started uh, studying at the university, where all of a sudden I was surrounded by nerds, <laughs> both my fellow seminarians um, and, and also just you know, the university themselves. They were much more, uh, uh, not really kids, but students with similar interests and a certain curiosity and a... Uh, desire to know and to understand and to uh, it, it, it just felt much more like my world than than high school had had been so I found a lot of the comics from that time and I remember a lot of I did these parody um, cartoons for the for the newspaper or the school's magazine or what was like a like a monthly publication and I was a, on the editorial board and slowly work my way up to the top <laughs> I run it with a very small group of other students and my job my self-assigned job was to, to to create the monthly comic and I would spend days and nights drawing those kind of parodies of existing comics it's kind of like what Mad Magazine does I don't know if you're if you're American you know that if for you other you know, people from other parts of the world so it's kind of parody American parody magazine and it uh, spoofs almost everything they can and so I tried to do the same with comics and I put my teachers in those main roles or the main, the teachers the main characters of the of those well-known comics and those those are pretty popular uh, but nobody knew who made them <laughs> I didn't sign it with my own name I was way too insecure for that so I made up this this uh, artist name Rovo <laughs> and uh, nobody knew who that was um, but anyway so so it was fun drawing those comics at the same time just re-watching going through them reminded me also of of, of a lot of memories that I don't really care to think about anymore um, and so that was easier to decide you know what this has been good um, and I can I can tell that I enjoyed drawing comics a lot at the time, but 
by holding on to it. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm throwing everything away, but it was just a, a, one big box of stuff that I would never look at for the next at least 10 years. I, I'm absolutely certain of that. So what I did is I, I took the scanner um, and uh, scanned in the best ones, the ones that I really was proud of and um, not necessarily to publish it or anything, but just to, um, to make it easier to also kind of um, <laughs> throw the originals away. An additional, way, an additional reason to scan everything in was the discovery that a lot of that paper was degrading, was starting to fall apart. That's a train. So if I would, um, if I would decide to put it back in a box for another 10 years, it may well be the last time that I, that I was able to, to go through those papers because they would, would have decomposed 10 years from now. Not to mention that I just don't want to keep all that stuff that doesn't play a role in my life. So I scanned in a lot. I have to say that the, the, the scan, I've, I think I've got a Canon scanner or something like that. Amazing device. Very fast. It's an LED one, so it doesn't need to warm up. And it's very detailed. And sometimes the scans are better than I can see with my naked eye. Uh, and also an, an added advantage of scanning in is automatic image correction. So it will uh, make the yellow paper white again. And so you're looking at like uh, something that looks much closer to the, much more like the original than the original. It's funny. And then I went on and on and then I opened a third box and it was full of stuff from my first parish and from the, uh, the, the festivities around my ordination to the priesthood. And um, it, uh, lots of uh, little testimonies that people wrote down when I, when I went away from, or when I left my first parish. And so I have this whole album full of photos. And, uh, and that too, that album is already more than 17 years old. It's crazy. And again, I was like, okay, should I keep this? No, I'm going to scan this in. And it will be much easier to keep it. Um, and I'm gonna, just going to take out the photos because the photos are, um, are still... That, that's another project for later. I want to take, take time to make good scans. I, I didn't want to do it in this kind of in between the other stuff. I need to be well organized. So every time I found a photo, I would label it and uh, kind of give an estimate of, of what year it was from or what event. So I'd file those away, scan in the rest, and then throw it away. Then I came to the fourth box, and it was filled with Star Wars. Star Wars magazines, Star Wars folders. This was from the time that The Phantom Menace was in preparation, and I was a big, big Star Wars um, internet person. <laughs> I had a big Star Wars website uh, that I wrote for. Nowadays, you would call it a blog, uh, which had thousands of visitors every day. I was uh, participating in um, a, a bigger network of Star Wars fans called the Force.net, and uh, very proud and, and happy to be working with people from all over the world on sharing our our our, our um, enthusiasm for Star Wars. And but this was really in the early days of uh, of the internet. And so a lot of the merchandise and stuff, you, the websites would be very primitive, very small, tiny graphics. Um, we were watching this on old-fashioned CRT monitors, on slow computers with crashing Windows, uh, Windows 3.1, and later on Windows, uh, what was it, XP? I think XP is even from a later date. Anyway, um, it was surfing the Internet as a Star Wars fan wasn't at all uh, the experience it is today. So a lot of the material, we just gathered it on paper. Like, like I, I went to the United States for the premiere of Phantom Menace, went to the big Star Wars convention, the first Star Wars celebration in Denver, and I, I collected just tons and tons of magazines and papers. I, I made copies and prints from articles I found on the web. Um, I did a lot of interviews back then for the local press and also international press because people love the combination of a priest who's also a fan of Star Wars and never gets old apparently. And so I saw a lot of 
old interviews with photos where I'm like in the, standing in the church with a lightsaber in my hands and oh some of it some of that stuff is really embarrassing <laughs> but what did I know I didn't have any media experience and um, so I read through a couple of those interviews and most of them just telling the same story and so again I scanned in a couple of those interviews but most of them I was like there is no value of for it for anyone but me and even for me it doesn't really have value so let's I don't want to hold on to the past and to these past interviews that has served its purpose you know I'm not, it's not that anyone is going to open a museum for this kind of stuff so let's get rid of it and uh, the more I dug and then the, the last box was full of um, paperwork from my studies both the studies in, in philosophy and theology in, in um, uh, Louvain, in Belgium, and Brussels, and then in Utrecht. I found a lot of stuff from my studies, more recent studies. I say recent, but it was in the year 2001. That's how long ago it is, uh, in, in social communications in Rome. And um, also, that was easy to get rid of. I was like, okay, for a long time, I was keeping all that stuff. Also, all my all my notes. I kept all my notes from all the courses that I followed. And I remember when I was archiving that stuff, I thought, you know, when I'm a little bit older, like 50, I'll have much more time and I'll just, just take you know, a day or two and read through this from time to time and study some more and, and reread what I, what, what I was taught in those courses. And now I'm thinking, well, <laughs> that was very optimistic. When I have a day off, when I have some extra time, I'd rather read something new. I'd rather read a book or go for a walk or, or run. There are a hundred things I'd love to do more than going back and trying to decipher my old handwriting. So easy to get rid of all that. Didn't even scan it in or copy it. It's, it has served its purpose. It, it, it contributed to my formation. It made me who I am as a theologian, as a philosopher, as a priest, as a communicator, but they're, no, they're not something to go back to. That has been, and now it's, you know, the future is about other stuff, and I need to create space. That, that was kind of the, 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 the core exercise that I was doing, is creating room for the future, Get, letting go of the past, creating room for, uh, for the future. Another reason that I kind of discovered, because this is, of, um, in a way, a very meditative exercise, going through papers. I'm just sitting there in the living room. I've got some, you know, quiet music playing on the speaker system, on the, uh, what is it that I use nowadays, Chrome, the Chromecast audio. And so I, I deliberately put on some, some calm music in the background. I'm just sitting there, going through papers. There's no other distraction. I'm not... You know, I'm sitting behind the Mac, but there's no email coming in. There's nothing in the back of my mind. I, I really had time for this. And it's so I'm also constantly, while I'm scanning in and sorting through this stuff, I'm thinking about the process itself. What is this doing to me? Why? What does it evoke? What kind of emotions are coming back? What can I learn from this? And I discovered another deep reason, I think, that I was holding on to some of this material. And that was unfulfilled potential. When going back to those early comics, I remembered my earliest dreams about my future. And one of the, one of the things I hoped one day would, I would be was a successful comic book writer or creator. Someone who would draw for a living. And I was seriously dreaming about a future like that. Um, just as I had dreamt about a future as an astronaut and uh, astronomer and, you know, all those things that kids, nerdy kids dream of. And a computer programmer, I wanted to be a game programmer. And I spent uh, many weeks and months developing video games on the old TRS-80 with a friend of mine. And I would design graphics and, oh my gosh, even tried to learn machine code and gave up after a while and turned back to basic because that was the language, the computer language that I already mastered a little bit. But so a lot of those dreams are still in the back of my mind, like, well, perhaps one day. The same with um, 
the, uh, the study material uh, for a long time, uh, at least for, for the first, let's say, four years, five years, I think, of perhaps even longer of, my, of the priesthood, one of the things that I thought would be definitely part of my future was to become a teacher or a, a scholar or a university teacher. And, and that's why I was sent to Rome to do a doctorate in theology and eventually end up at the seminary or you know, at the university. In the Netherlands, those are combined. So you live in the seminary, but you do your studies at the university. And so uh, to become a professional theologian or philosopher. And it's after a while, especially in Rome, I discovered, of course, that that was not the way in which God was leading me. And by finding, almost by accident, this, uh, or by providence, this study in social communications and, and discovering that that is where my heart was, that is where, where God was sending me and where I obviously had talents that he wanted to develop. Um, I also, that also meant, at the time, letting go of this idea that one day I would, uh, I would be a theology professor <laughs> or a researcher. But at the same time, because it had been an ambition for so many years, I, I remember even when I was already, you know, 100% involved in, in media work and in communications, it was still in the back of my mind, you know what, when I'm a little bit older and life is calmer, I, w I may go back and finish that doctorate, <laughs> write a thesis. And... That is why I can't throw away all this stuff because I need, I may need this, I may need this. Very dangerous words. What if I may need this in the future? And that was why, why I was holding on to it. Unfulfilled potential. Kind of this almost bad conscience that I should do something with this. Hasn't this been part of my dreams? Shouldn't I realize those dreams? And this kind of like, and I'm doing this while I'm scanning in and I'm starting in the pile of paperwork is getting smaller and smaller and the, the boxes to throw away are, are piling over <laughs> with paper and I have to go down the stairs, throw the stuff away, empty the boxes and, and, and continue. Wow, it's a gorgeous morning, by the way. The sun is shining through the yellow leaves here in the park. I love it when the sun is low like that and shines shining in my face and the grass is all wet from the dew and glisten, glistening in the, in, the, in the early morning sunlight. It's not really early, but it feels early. <laughs> but um, it's this, uh, uh, the idea, it, it joins another thing that I realized years ago, also while recording this show. And it was this, this habit of mine or this, um, conviction at the time that every lead, every opportunity should be explored and, and, uh, and uh, I don't know, nurtured and it should, everything in my life should lead to something. It's probably linked to the idea of vocation and I'm used to thinking along the lines of, well, where is this going? Why do I do the things that I do? And most importantly, what does God want me to do? And for a long time, I, I kind of confused God's will with all, every opportunity, every, every single idea that I had, every creative idea had to become a reality. That has been such a major problem in my media work. And the people that have grown with, with, what I, with my work over the years and know me for a long time have seen hundreds of ideas and projects fail because I try to do everything at once and ultimately it led to nothing. And this one, why one of the most striking phrases in The Empire Strikes Back for me is this, this conversation between Yoda and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think it's Yoda who asks Obi-Wan, will he finish what he begins? And uh, I, felt, I felt very much like Luke Skywalker, like every impulse has to be followed up upon, every lead, every intuition should lead to immediate action and not having that patience to sit still and wait for the right thing to to crystallize in a certain way not acting on impulses 
one of one of the one of the Jedi principles I think is is patience. Patience. And I didn't have that patience because I felt that it was a holy obligation to follow up on every single opportunity in my life. I know better now. I think it was linked to it is it's kind of part of the problem of having a, a creative mind and and not having learned to uh, to discern yet. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it is definitely something that it helps to grow older. It helps to fail at a lot of things. It helps to, to, to realize that, n- no, not every brilliant idea has to be followed up upon immediately. And that sometimes it is better to just do what you were already doing and doing it well instead of always following uh, the, the new ideas. If I had followed up on every single creative spark or also other people's ideas, sometimes I, see, I saw other people doing things and I was like, oh, I want to do that too. And I would run after it and then after a while I would discover, well, yeah, it was cool, but it's not my vocation. If I had followed up on every single idea I had about my own future, you know, being an astronaut, being a, a Star Wars blogger, uh, even like a YouTube vlogger, more recent ideas, um, I would it would have led to nothing, because you can't do everything. That life is too short. That's what I always say. That's why God gave us eternity, because our mind is always kind of bigger than what than time can encompass, uh, because our creative mind is like God's creation. It, creativity comes from God. And the Holy Spirit is... That's why the universe is without boundaries as far as we know. Because it's a reflection of God's creativity that is boundless, that is ever-growing, that has no limits. But we are still in time. We are not God. We are (laughs) in time and time goes by and we have to constantly make choices and discern like in this multitude of things that I could do, what is what I want to do? And is what I want to do also what I should do? It's that, that is discernment. It's trying to figure out that where my, where I'm, what I'm attracted by, because uh, God works often through this kind of, like, like a magnet. He pulls you in a certain direction. But it's still... It's, it still needs that step of verifying. Is this truly, of discerning, is this truly also God's will or is it just my own desire? And so it needs to be purified in a certain way and tested. That's, why, that's where the advice of people is very important. Talking to other people, getting that insight from multiple angles that will lead you to the right decisions. And very often in my own uh, this this a bit juvenile um, attitude of, of trying to follow up on everything that, that crossed my mind, it, it lacked that aspect of discernment in uh, testing it, putting it to the test and talking about those ideas with other people. That is something that I had to learn over time and have learned, not mastered, but definitely learned. So this this whole archive of material and paperwork was also a reflection of old ambitions and uh, opportunities. And that realizing that made kind of pushed me to the to to really the decision of I need to let this go. This is an important step in my own spiritual development to let go of the past. To finally let go of all those things that Somewhere in the back of my mind, I was still holding on to, just in case. I may still do that. Whereas reality shows, has shown me that if you try to hold on on everything you, you once thought was, it, was, it, was important, it will also close the door to the future. It may prevent you from doing what you truly should do. Um... This is something that became very clear this year. There is truly a life for me um, before I walked the Camino and after I came back. And one of the biggest lessons that I learned was to let go of, of traumas, of, uh, 
of the things that I was telling myself were necessary and, uh, and are, were constantly causing this, this state of pressure and stress. The feeling that I, it was never good enough. It was never enough. I had to do more. I had to work harder. I had to do every single project. And the process of walking for 40 days, and especially the moment that I walked to uh, the Cruz de Ferro, which is this uh, iron cross, and uh, I, I carried a, a, a rock with me that morning, and I, I tried to think of the things that I wanted to leave behind at the foot of the cross. And it was this idea of not never being good enough. Um, never doing enough. There's an old childhood trauma, I think. And it was time to let go of that. And that really, truly became a moment of, of, of freedom, of newfound freedom, of delivery, as you want, if you will. Um, I remember going down the mountain again, feeling so free. Free to face the future because I had realized that nobody asks me, well, perhaps some people do. Perhaps I ask myself to do things, but it's all about what God wants. God does not need me to do stuff to love me. He doesn't need to see my accomplishments before he... He values who I am. It's not about what I do. And so all those ideas, all those opportunities where my immediate reflex over many, many years has always been, I need to do that. I should do that. I can do that. I will. The question is, says who? Says who? Who is asking you to, to do everything? Who tells you that you should keep being overly busy and and stressing out and 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 feeling overwhelmed because you're trying to do so much for what to prove yourself to yourself to your parents to your primary school teacher to to god says who that's the big question says who and it could also be the question is this says is this what god says you should do or not is this something i think or i project sometimes we do even that it's even more kind of devious in a certain way we project what we what we actually feel we should do out of a sense of obligation or i don't know and we project that on god and we well god wants me to do this i'm sure god is <laughs> i'm sure god wants me to do this oh yeah how can you be sure if you haven't asked other people if you haven't prayed about this if you haven't sought advice if you haven't been patient so it, it, it this I just still don't know exactly what happened but it definitely was a major change in in the way I lead my life and that is the there's been beginning I was already decluttering and and um, minimizing uh, the stuff in my life before I went on the pilgrimage and in a certain way the pilgrimage was part of that intuition that it was time this was a phase in my life where I needed to go through this and leave everything behind and live for 40 days without stuff with and, and being feeling happier than I've ever felt before with just a backpack with less than eight kilograms of stuff and I could have I could have left with less even less so the discovery that less living with less is making me happier it's making me more focused well that is that is the big insight i think that is constantly still working its way through the decisions that i make today and so the the insight was all those that unfulfilled potential all those um, is material is kind of symbolized by all the stuff that i'm holding on to and getting rid of it and decluttering my life also of all these kind of tentacles of the past is 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 creating space for what where god wants to wants to uh lead me next and that may be exactly where i am right now <laughs> it doesn't have to be something radically new or but it may be 
you don't know that. Yeah, I've often uh, prayed. There is a very essential aspect of Christian spirituality, which is surrender. Wow, there's a lot of noise here on the side. They're building a huge new swimming pool. And they're in the final stage, so I can see the big windows, and so that's probably where the big swimming pool is going to be. I'm not a swimmer. I'm not sure I'll ever visit, but uh, I know how to swim, but I don't, and I don't enjoy it. Probably because I'm not good at it. <laughs> anyway, so that's the noise you hear. Here on the, this is the kind of the last, the fringes of the park, so I'm going to walk back. Um, but uh, the, uh, what was I saying? I don't know. Was <laughs> going, going back to. Um, oh yeah, I remember now. The the prayer, the this idea of surrender. You have to do God's will, even if God's will. Look at the story of Jesus and the apostles. Will lead you where you don't want to go, and where you never thought you'd go. But it's this idea of the the calling of the apostles was leave everything behind. Don't look back. Come and follow me. Come and see. It's always with Jesus. It's always about leaving. The, and this is part of, of the entire biblical narrative where it starts with Abraham. Leave everything behind. And come along with me. Moses, leave everything behind. Not just Moses, but also the people that, that he leads to the promised land. You can only get to the promised land if you leave everything else behind including the things that you may regret in the future. Remember halfway through the desert, there's like, oh, we wish we'd stayed in Egypt. Yeah, it was horrible, but at least we had food. It's this, it's this the letting go of the fear that God will not take care of you in the future. They will not lead you. Well, of course he will. Of course he will. He will make sure that you have everything you need. And so that... It's, it, it, it's, a, it's a step of faith to let go of the past because the past and, and reminders of the past make you feel grounded in a certain way. But it can also hold you back. And that, that, is, the, that is what's going on currently in my mind or spiritually, I think. And this is definitely a, a, a spiritual itinerary as well. Letting go of the past, not the good memories, there are a lot of... That's why I'm scanning in certain things. Because they're, they're good memories. They're, they're, they remind me of people. So the things that I, I really want to keep are not the, the study materials. and They're the photos where I, I'm, I'm, I see the people that I have shared life with as a, as a parish priest, as a, as a brother, as a son, as a grandchild... Those are the memories that connect me to, to my family, to the, to the world. And those are much more important because these are all kind of centered around friendship. And a lot of the other stuff has had its function but are no longer something I want to hold on to. And this, I think, will also be my major theme in, in, for the next year. I've noticed that that these boxes were perhaps one of the biggest the biggest um, <clears throat> factors in feeling in not feeling completely free yet. And and I I still have one box to go. There's still some some scanning in to do. But the kind of the mental decision has already been taken that all that is going to go away, <clears throat> and that has created the greatest peace inner peace that I've experienced since I came back from Santiago. It's now I feel like this is where I was being led. This is the inner peace that I was looking for. And everything that has caused so much stress in the past was linked to to trying to hold on to, to unfulfilled potential in dreams that are not necessarily um, the, the God's are not part of God's plan anymore or perhaps never have been and it's okay to let go of those things 
because God will still love me and I'm still with him and he will still with me with me in the future. So why not letting go? And so this, uh, this inner peace is, I think, also going to be the foundation for whatever God calls me to do in 2018. But I'm much more aware of the fact that the things that I do, I need to do them because I've discerned that that is what what's really part of my vocation. I, I, I don't want it. Life is too short to spend my time on every single opportunity that comes my way. It's all about, is this part of my mission? Is this part of my vocation? That should be the criterion. And then the advice of other people is going to be instrumental to make that discernment. I can't do that by myself. And so, the, the, and this has consequences for everything I do. And it has also consequences about everything I do currently. Um, and I've, I've shared this many, many months and episodes with you that I am very much aware that for the past few years I've been uh, overextending myself and uh, burning the candle at both ends trying to do everything because I somehow feel that it's important and when the more I let go the more I find what I truly should do and and then the things that I do give me joy and energy and I, I notice the difference the times that I am in a situation like last week what I talked about in the last episode of the walk I was very frustrated and you, you certainly noticed that and because I felt I was still kind of bearing the consequences of stupid decision that I made months ago when I agreed to, you know, do this episode and go back to Rome for one day and then uh, not with, without uh, the support that was necessary for such, such a thing. It was not well discerned and I was paying the price for that and that made me feel and made me realize how important it is to not make these mistakes anymore. And I may make them in the future, I mean... It's not that I, from now on I know exactly where to go, but it was a very revelatory experience that this is exactly the kind of life that I want to let go of. This is the kind of... Mm, this is a price I do not want to pay because it's too high. And the same is true for my television work. Is also something I shared here on the walk. It's like, what kind of topics am I going to do? Am I just going to follow every idea that is that is given to me by the the direction of the media company that I work for um, just because it will sustain the work, the, the, the organization, etc. No, not necessarily. I will, with every idea, I will reflect upon it. But my question is going to be, says who? <laughs> who tells me that I should do that? Can someone else do it better? Well then, by all means... Be my guest. Um, is there a story? Is this part of the stories I want to tell and I feel I need to tell or not? The same is true for my, for my podcasting activities. This, this is, if you've, again, if you've followed me for several years, you've, you've seen these shows evolve and change and some shows come and some, some shows go. And, and there too, this feeling that I, for, for years... I felt that every single episode, every single series that I started was something I needed to develop and I needed to continue. And so we ended up having this massive pile of different series that caused so much stress and anxiety even because every time it was so much work to keep that going, I should have asked the question years ago, says who? If we try out a series and it doesn't work and we go only got a couple of hundred listeners and you see that other shows have thousands and thousands of listeners, then it, that's an obvious sign that's, that which should help you discern. That is basically a, the, a lot of other people showing with, their, with the downloads. So it's, it's, imper it's, it's um, empirical proof what they want you to do or what they need doesn't mean that you have to do it but anyway so why why not why not let go of things that don't work and so I have let let go of a lot of things and it's still something as the world is changing so should we and 
it's not necessarily that the approach that we've taken to media 10 years ago, 12 years ago when we started uh, this media work is still valid or efficient or uh, effective. Uh, that's another runner. Is this something I, I am definitely going to do? That's, I took a decision to sign up for another marathon. I miss the running. Anyway, the um, says who? Says me, because I want to be healthy and I want to, running is good for me. Um, the, the, uh, uh, the, the podcast, the world of podcasting is massively different from the early days. And so uh, there is a, a much more competition. There are so many cool shows that I, even I listen to. And so, and time is still the same. <laughs> even though the, the world of podcasting has exploded in content, the number of hours that people can listen to podcasts is still the same. So they will make choices on the basis of, does this really concern me? Is this really something that is adding to my life? Which means that sometimes you have to, you have to <laughs> tell, the, the, you have to realize yourself, so why would this help other people? It's a funny thing that with the walk, even though there's almost a bit of a, it's completely improvised, and it's, it's definitely the show where I put in the least effort in a certain way, in terms of like the technical effort, and it's just record, it's just me walking around with a small recorder, that's, that's it, I don't even put jingles in it anymore. Um, and nature gives me the sound effects, like the birds in the tree over there. And yet, I know from uh, the feedback that I get, that a lot of listeners enjoy this process, kind of this, this thought process, and listen to this while, while they're on a walk themselves or working out. And um, so I'm thinking that, that is, that's, a, that's a good sign. It's apparently, this, this kind of, this, the content of, this ep- of, of these episodes help people. Uh, that's good. So definitely we'll continue to do this. Um, then we have the other two shows that I do, The Break and Geek Week. And those are also based on things that I have done for 12 years. Those are more shows with much less focus. They're very much, um, uh, we, we call this a magazine format. When you have a magazine and you uh, go through it, you will have a, a recipe and a, an interview and an article and a and a report from, and photos and a puzzle, perhaps. Well, uh, the break in Geek Week are much, much like that. It's like a box of chocolate. <laughs> like you know, a lot of different things. Yeah, the black bird making itself heard. Um, so, but the, 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 the upside is it's fun. It's, it, it, you know, every show is different. It's hopefully entertaining. Um, it's fun for me also to be talking about a lot of different things. It has also a big downside, discoverability. This is a show that the current listeners know very well because they know me and they have been following me for a while. But new people, how on earth are they going to discover the break if it's just that? It's just sitting there in, uh, with all these other very you know, well-defined um, beautifully pitched podcasts about niche uh, topics or very specific high quality stuff and then you've got this you know plethora of topics in every show and you don't really know what you're going to get and if you don't know me or you don't know the show why would you ever sample it well that is making me think it's making me also rethink so is, is that a good approach um I definitely think there are very good aspects of it, but are there ways in which I can lead more people to this content? And shouldn't I rethink the way I approach these topics? For instance, there is a big audience um, that's following me on Facebook and Twitter and on YouTube, and I barely cater to them. And on Facebook I do, but it's not really... Let's say that there's, that's mostly small updates, but it's, it's not the same as what I, do, what I try to do in my programs. Is there a way to repurpose the things that I'm already doing for the break in Geek Week and make them available for those audiences as well? Is there a way to do kind of cross-pollination between 
let's say, the YouTube world and the podcasting world. Well, that may also involve changes in, in the way I, I produce this. Not necessarily doesn't mean that's another runner i know this is a sign i should go run <laughs> but um it's not that i need to ditch something but it's having this freedom to rethink and to have the inner freedom to let go of things that i've always done in a certain way or of things that i've that i've built up for for many years um the, the ability to to be willing to let go if it doesn't work anymore or if it's no no longer what I should do that is that is a big uh, that's a first step are you willing to let it go if it's necessary to let it go or are you are you holding on to it because it makes you feel safe and that's what you know how to do and but that holding on to the past again may close the door to the future um, not necessarily not always but it may. And so are you willing? That's the question that I'm asking myself. And I, I haven't found a definitive answer. I've taken a few decisions, and like I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, about the things that I want to put on the first three spots of uh, my to-do, of my priority list. Oh, a red robin. Oh, that's cute. Just sitting on that tree there. A little winter bird already. Very tame. Surprisingly tame. Beautiful. Well, there you go. That's a third runner. <laughs> That's a third. Oh, everybody's running except for me. Um, so the uh, it's reprioritizing my life, and that means also letting letting go of things that are not a priority anymore. And um, uh, there are some more decisions that I've already taken, um, and that I will share with you later on, that are part of this process of of. I heard something this morning on um, the Minimalist podcast. It's just a, a little phrase in between uh, like this long episode, but it struck me as like, this is so true. Um, saying that you are always too busy or so busy is another way of saying my life is out of control. That was the phrase. Like, so saying you're too busy is actually saying my life is out of control. And I, it hit me as like, wow, for years I've been saying, I've been telling other people that I'm so busy, I'm so stressed out, I'm, oh, I have too much work on my plate. And, but it's not the work that is causing me to be stressed out and busy and overextended and unhealthy. <laughs> it's because my life was out of control. I had no control over the things that I was doing. And the process of stripping away everything that is or stripping everything that is not essential creates room creates space to make decisions that lead to a balanced life and ultimately also uh, meaningful content you, you can't share this kind of <laughs> the things that i want to share that are important to me they all have to do with a life that is nourished by times of silence and prayer and where you do things intentionally uh, instead of running away, running around, as they say in the Netherlands, like a chicken without a head. <laughs> it's it's being purposeful, purpose-driven, intentional. Uh, if you, if you want to share that kind of life, <laughs> then you should first apply it to your own life. And that's, that's kind of what I'm in the middle of right now. And it will sometimes be painful choices. It's very painful to throw away a lot of those old things and to let go of ambitions. That is a painful moment. That, I struggled with that. I truly struggled with that. I, I so wanted these things years ago. But it is also causing like this hesitation of going forward. And, um, and so letting go of the past will open up the door to the future. And the opposite is true as well. Holding on to the past may close the door to the future. That is, that is my, um, what I wanted to share with you in the process that I'm in. And I'm sure that there will be much more to talk about 
in, in the weeks to come, so stay tuned. Um, there are going to be some good changes, I think, for, uh, for the next year. Um, but I just wanted to share with you the place where it's coming from. And so thank you for listening. Uh, I want to invite you to go over to tridio.com, T-R-I-D-E-O.com for my other shows and episodes and future, hi, future uh, projects. Um, and, uh, and thank you for your ongoing support. If only by listening to, the, to my banter. <laughs> I hope it's helpful. And if not, tell me. Or if there are th- questions that you have, feel free to ask. I don't know if I always have an answer, but I, I'm here to help. And to be helped as well. <laughs> All right. I will see you later and uh, at least next week. And uh, there's definitely some more podcasting coming your way soon. So take care. And God bless.